full-service radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today, I am very, very excited for our guest, um, Justin Kennedy. He recently uh, published a book, uh, The Bucket List Beer, 1,000 Adventures, Pubs, Breweries, and Festivals. Justin and I go way back. We actually went to grad school together at NYU, and he is calling into the studio. Justin, thank you so much for taking time today. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Justin is otherwise incredibly accomplished. Uh, you published another book as well, The Scratch and Sniff Guide to Beer. You okay. have been a producer on multiple podcasts on Heritage Radio, as well as All About Beer Radio and uh, Steal This Beer podcast, correct? Am I, am I getting all the, all the things yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't actually involved with uh, All About Beer Radio, but okay. uh, Steal This Beer, who is co-hosted by John Hall, who used to be an editor at All About Beer. Okay, um, there it is. But That's... we were never affiliated with that publication officially. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so he's he's published a lot of articles as well. He's a fantastic writer, um, really, really knowledgeable beer person and definitely one of my favorite people. So thank you again for calling in. Oh, thanks for all the kind words. I, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So. All right. So I have this book in front of me um, yeah. and it's it's hefty. This isn't just like a <laughs> tiny little flippy guidebook. This is a hefty book. Um, and you really did go to, I mean, the lengths to really highlight all these amazing places. And this is not just in the U.S., this is all over the world. Yeah, so there's a thousand entries. Um, it's, you know, 400 and some pages. It's hardcover. It's it's a big book. Um, yeah, you could you could do some, da- this could be a weapon, you know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big book. I was, you know, I was impressed. I, you know, I worked on it for a while, obviously. And but when I finally saw it, in person, I was really, um, you know, impressed by, by uh, the layout and how, you know, just how it looks. It's great. It's it's definitely a coffee table book. It's not something you're going to sit down and, and read cover to cover, but hopefully you'll, you know, browse through it. And if you're visiting a place, you'll look up uh, my recommendations for, for places to visit wherever you're going. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I tried to read cover to cover. I got this, <laughs> I got this book on Friday. I tried to read it cover to cover by today. It was a little... Daunting, um, but I, yeah. I, I made I made a definite dent. Um, so, what inspired you to write this? What what kind of got you excited to do a book like this? Well, as you mentioned before, I did a, another book. My first book was called The Scratch and Stuff Guide to Beer, and uh, some folks that I had worked on that book with um, had approached me, um, you know, a little bit after that came out, and they had another proposal together, um, this time with uh, Rizzoli, or actually Universe, which is an imprint of Rizzoli, and uh, 
they had so the bucket list beer is part of a series called the bucket list and there's three other ones um there's a adventure thing there's a wild bucket list wild so it's like wild places to go and then also like peace and quiet so like places to find tranquility and so this is the fourth book in that series by universe slash Rizzoli. and um so some folks i had worked on the first book with had approached me to do this one and we kind of you know went back and forth put together a proposal and um, you know, worked out all the details and then just started writing it. And, you know, I had a lot of help writing a few of the chapters. Um, you know, I haven't been to Australia in about a decade, so I don't know really what's going on there. I had a, a, a another writer that helped me write that chapter. Um, but the rest of it, you know, I just, from pers- personal experience and then just researching, uh, put the rest of it together. And, yeah, I think it turned out really cool. Yeah, and, and you kind of touched on kind of how it's organized. So you have this broken down into regions. So Eastern U.S., Middle U.S., Western U.S., Canada, Mexico, South America. Then you have Europe, North and East, and Europe, South and West, Middle East and Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and then the Asia Pacific. So yeah. you've got this, I, I, th- I think, organized very smartly um, and kind of going through those, kind of working yourself through those different regions um, you know, when you start right off at the beginning, you're starting up at Maine and you kind of work your way down. Um, so you're saying as far as the research goes, most of this was done, you know, especially the ones in the U.S., um, by you personally. Yeah, so traveling, you know, I've been traveling for beer or around beer for the better part of, what, the last 12 years or so. Um, and, you know, maybe even longer than that, if, if we go back uh, <laughs> uh, further, but, you know, just this is like kind of a culmination of all my experiences of, you know, traveling different places either through, um, you know, the NYU food studies program or personal travel, um, travel for, you know, as you mentioned before, I do a lot of freelance writing, uh, travel for stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, a culmination of everything I've been doing for the last, uh, decade and a half, I guess. Nice. Now, when you were kind of going through these areas, I mean, was there ever a point where you realized you needed to visit a state or a certain city um, specifically for this book and, and something kind of surprised you or, or you were, you know, kind of taken aback by, by a certain area? Yeah, so one of the coolest trips I did for the book was I went to Japan last November, actually almost exactly a year ago and uh, visited a few dozen breweries in Japan. And I was just, I was a, I was a little um, blown away by the just the culture in Japan. I'd never been there before. Um, I don't know if you've been or not, but it's just no, one it's of the coolest places. Yeah. Um, and the beer scene is, you know, it's, it's not like the U.S. Um, so, and I, and, you know, I knew that going in, but, you know, you, get there and you're on the ground and just the hospitality from everybody was just so cool and i ended up um you know going to a lot of different breweries and then spending a few days in tokyo and going to bars and and met up with some uh, other americans who run places there or are you know part of the the local beer culture and just the hospitality of everyone was awesome so you know that was kind of like one highlight uh in researching this book was was going there and just seeing the seeing the Japanese beer scene 
And you said it's it's really different from the U.S. Like, how does a brewery experience in Japan differ? Like, what are some things that maybe um, they do really differently that stand out to you? So, it's it's a little tricky because mm-hmm. so in Japan, home brewing is actually illegal. Oh. Um, so there's not a thriving home brewing scene like we have here. You know, I think since you can look at look back at the numbers of the number of breweries, but since uh, Carter repealed the homebrew ban in what seventy nine or whatever, like the beer scene just exploded, and mm-hmm. it's only getting you know crazier and crazier here. I think there's what eight thousand breweries now. Um, yeah, we're so, pu- we're pushing seventy four hundred last spring, so that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think now it's like it's eight thousand or more, and I would guess you know a, a big majority of those were founded by people who were homebrewers. Um, so you don't really have that type of culture in Japan. You don't have the, the home brewing scene that's translating then into like people going professional. Um, so it's a little bit stodgy in that in that way because you have a lot of people just doing copying what everyone all the other breweries are doing rather than like real innovation. Mm-hmm. But you do have you know you do have smaller breweries that are like making beer using like traditional ingredients whether it's a specific type of rice that's grown in their region or, you know, locally grown barley or, you know, there's some really cool hops that are native to Japan, like uh, Sriracha Ace, I think is the one that we, we know here because of the, the Brooklyn beer. But, yeah, you know, you have people like putting their, their own imprint on it, but it's it's not thriving the way it is uh, in the U.S. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a bad beer scene. It's just, you know, it's in a different stage. Um but you combine that with the Japanese hospitality, and it's just out of this world. It's so cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, the actual experience of going to the breweries. I mean, I feel like right now in the U.S., you kind of have um, you have some cookie-cutter experience, right? Like, you know, yeah, you, I think, it's, it's similar. You know, I think, Is there a different kind of feel at the brew pubs or, or breweries themselves? No, it's pretty similar. Okay. Um, it's not, I would say it's most of the breweries that I went to, we were kind of the only people there. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we were visiting at off hours and stuff. And, and in Tokyo, there's different tap rooms. And, uh, you know, our brewery, it's kind of like uh, some of the breweries or some of the cities here in the States. Like uh, a brewery will have different tap rooms like throughout the city. So in Tokyo, you can go and uh, visit. Like one brewery will have like five or six different tap rooms. And, you know, you get a different experience at each place. Um but, you know, it's not, I would say it's not a thriving, uh, like, on-premise uh, scene like you have here. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe eventually that'll change. You know, if you look back, you know, in the U.S., even 10 years ago, most people didn't go to breweries to drink beer. They went to bars to drink beer. So uh, I know, especially in New York, it was, you know, no one had a, a tap room. It wasn't really a thing until, you know, the farm brewery thing came up what 2013 2014 so just like five years ago so um but you know it's changing um i think that you know there were some places there that had uh you know tap rooms you could visit and there were a lot of locals there but uh you know we'll see how it how it evolves from here yeah, for sure. And so for those of you just tuning in, I am chatting with Justin Kennedy. He is a beer writer and expert and podcaster. He just came out with an amazing book, uh, The Bucket List Beer, A Thousand Adventures, Pubs, Breweries, and Festivals. So was there a place, you know, 
as I was kind of, as I was looking through the book, there were certain areas that I went to, you know, a couple falls ago, I got to go to Portland, Maine and mm-hmm. explore a couple breweries there. And so when I flipped to the section on Portland, Maine, I got all excited. I was like, oh, and you mentioned, you know, every single spot. I mean, perfect, perfect uh, account of the area. But was there a, a section that you started to write about and you got like excited? Like, Ooh, I can't wait for someone to go to here. I can't wait for someone. I mean, I know it's hard to pick out a favorite, but is there, is there a certain region that you got particularly uh, jazzed about? Yeah. I mean, Portland, Maine is definitely one of those. Um, I could, I feel like I can spend just like, you know, a month a year going there and like visiting other different places and, you know, like Allagash and Oxbow and Maine beer company and, um, all that stuff is really cool. One place that I keep going back to um, that I get to a lot just because my in-laws live there is Florida. Um, and I'm always amazed by how great a beer scene is um, that that state has. And underrated. Uh, Where in Florida are you going? Yeah, so, well, my in-laws live in St. Augustine, which has, you know, a few breweries. Um, but it's also the Tampa stunning. Ba- yeah, the Tampa Bay area is kind of the the hotbed of everything right now you have, you know, in in Tampa itself, you have Cigar City, which everyone knows. Um, mm-hmm. And then over in St. Pete, you have Green Bench Brewing, which does a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and then just north of there, you have breweries like Seventh Sun and uh, one of my favorites, which is a Belgian-style brewery, uh, St. Somewhere. Saint Somewhere, yeah. Um, which is, you know, Bob Sylvester. He's been making classic Belgian saisons for... I don't know, 25 years or something. He's distributed by, you know, Shelton Brothers and just kind of doing his own thing quietly for a while and um, is finally getting, I think, some much-deserved recognition. But, uh, you know, that's just like an area that has, you know, it's a crowded area. There's a lot of people that live there, but they have a lot of really awesome breweries. And then down in uh, Miami, you have some cool stuff, too, like Jay Wakefield and um, Unseen Creatures, who just opened... um, and, you know, I'm always surprised by how much people in Florida really like big, boozy uh, pastry stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, considering like, like the that average like, temperature is like 85, with like a 95% <laughs> humidity, you're like, I could really go for a 12% pastry <laughs> stout. <laughs> exactly. You're, you would think it would be like the land of crisp Pilsners. ice cold Pilsners, yeah. But, uh, and they do make some of those there. There's, uh, yeah. there's a handful of really good, good one. ones. But yeah. It's uh, it's a state that's more known for you know the stouts and stuff, which are delicious. Um, but I don't you know I don't really understand <laughs> that whole thing. But it, you know every time I go, there's a new brewery that's opened, and I'm like constantly surprised by the quality of beer coming out of that state. Yeah, I've for some reason in the past six months I've gone to Florida more in my entire life uh thanks to my job and mm-hmm. it's it's been great i mean it's been really surprising i'd completely written off you know florida as a destination and all of a sudden i was realizing like wow i, I had no idea that there was this you know bounty of really amazing craft beer down here so yeah now, now i'm more and more okay going to florida <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break i will be right back on beer me radio uh stay tuned You know what I 
está em samba Uma concorrência treta, sabe que quem manda a gente Se liga quem tá no outro lado, que aqui a chapa é quente O baile vem abaixo e o teu coração balança Segura esse soco no peito e o cachelo está em Welcome back to Beer Me, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. on Full Service Radio. I'm your host, Sarah Jane, and I'm chatting with Justin Kennedy. He is a author, beer podcaster, beer expert, uh, and he recently released a book, The Bucket List Beer, A Thousand Adventures, Pubs, Breweries, and Festivals. So we were just kind of going through certain areas, uh, both domestic and abroad, that were really exciting to explore for Justin. But I kind of want to build on our episode uh, two or three shows ago um, about beer festivals. We had kind of dove into why beer festivals are important and highlighted a couple coming up. And Justin, you definitely talk about a bunch of festivals throughout the book, uh, some festivals that I had never even heard of and now I really want to go to. Um, but why do you think beer festivals are important? Um, I think they're important because, I mean, everybody loves a festival. It's something that, you know, you're like literally shoulder to shoulder with hundreds, if not thousands of other people. You're interacting with people in the industry, um, you know, other fans. It's mm -hmm. just a great, it's a great uh, communal experience. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of down on certain types of festivals uh, these days, but I think, you know, we're reaching a point where like, there's so many awesome festivals that are going on throughout the country. It's like, if you look at a, like a brewery, like, um, like other half or something, they have like on their website, a whole page dedicated to the different festivals they're going to be at that weekend. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's just really cool that, you know, we have so many high quality festivals, um, to go to these days. And it's, you know, I remember going to the, you know, the crummy ones where, it was essentially held in like, you know, some open field in some um, kind of mediocre city and no one from the brewery was there. No one knew anything about the beer. It was just a bunch of volunteers or, you know, people from the distributors that were pouring the beer. And now I think everyone's getting a really uh, elevated experience um, if, you, if you know like what to look for in a festival. So what do you, I mean, obviously aside from, you know, having somebody pour beer that you know, doesn't know anything about the beer. What do you enjoy about a festival? What do you look for and, and like what makes, what makes for a festival that you enjoy? Um, so yeah, number one, uh, some, like somebody from the brewery, preferably like a brewer, not just mm -hmm. a salesperson. Um, they're either, you know, not necessarily pouring, but at the table available to talk. Um, you and I were both at the Shelton Brothers Festival a few weeks ago up yeah. in Buffalo. And that was like a perfect example of, you know, like one of my favorite festivals, you're, you know, you're interacting with the producers themselves. Um, it's not too crowded. It's not too crazy. It's in a cool setting. Um, there's a, there's a variety of different beers, which, you know, it's not necessarily, I've been to like <laughs> the Pills and Love Festival that uh, Oxbow does. And that's, you know, it's all Pilsners. Yeah. I'm completely fine with that. But, you know, at the, at the, at the Shelton Brothers Festival, there was everything from, you know, traditional Belgian styles to, you know, crazy new American uh, hazy IPAs and fruited sours and stuff like that. So I think, you know, a festival that has, like, some variety, it's not all, you know, one thing, not all IPAs, not all, uh, you know, pastry stouts or whatever, but 
Um, and then also like kind of a cap on the number of people. That's like one of my pet peeves is if there's too many people, it's hard to interact with. Oh yeah. Interact with the people you want to interact with. So I went to, you know, the, the Vale Brewing down in Richmond uh, has this thing called Forever Summer Festival every year. And the first one uh, was an IPA. I think it was an IPA theme, but they had really limited the number of people that were there. And it was like, it felt, you know, like you could just talk to anybody and, it was a really pleasant, you know, cool experience. No, I've been to festivals before where you spend the entire time just waiting in line. Yeah. And it's just... It's not fun for anybody. I no. mean, you know, there's some some kind of communal aspect to that, but, you know, it's it's not super fun to just be waiting in line and then try, you know, five beers over the course of two or three hours. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it helps for like, you know, sobriety aspect and stuff like that, but it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, you're just, yeah, you're just standing in line the entire time. Yeah. So Shelton festival. Yes. We, we were both there in uh, Buffalo, New York. And that I think every year is just a really well executed, well curated festival. Yeah. Um, is there a festival kind of that you looked into for your book that has now become like your bucket list festival? Like you're kind of dying to go to. Yeah, there's one that um, I've never actually been to. It's, it's held every other year, so every two years in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Night of Great Thirst. Have you heard about it? Yeah, but I've never been. I really want to go. Yeah, so it's associated with this um, cafe, and I can't remember the name of the town, but it's somewhere in the Piatten land of, uh, of Belgium where goose and lambic is produced. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, affiliated with this little cafe that's associated with the church. Um, the cafe is only open on Sunday mornings, I believe, and it's called like uh, "In Defense of Great Thirst" or something. That's the <laughs> translation. But the but the festival itself is called um, the Night of Great Thirst. It's held every two years, and you know it's all it's mostly goose and lambic, um, and you know it's just a regional festival that's been going on for I don't know at least a decade, if not more. Um, and the way I became aware of it is a few years ago, Allagash Brewing actually got invited to be like the first non-Belgian uh, participant, and it just looks like such a cool festival. I mean, it's like, you know, the craziest like vintage lambics, and all the producers are there, and all the the like the town comes out to to drink, and people travel from all over the world. It just, it just seems like a really cool festival. Wow. All right, maybe Full Service Radio needs to go to uh, to this. Uh, so I'm looking at Jack to see if he's. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've I've heard of it before. It's again, it's been on my it's been on my bucket list for a while. So, yeah. I've uh, and another one another one I've never been to, uh, which you guys have down there is Snallygaster. I've heard that it's Oh really my awesome. gosh, how have you never been to Snallygaster before? <laughs> Greg tries to get me to come every year, but I always have something that uh, comes up, and <sighs> yeah, I've never been. Well, this year, this year was by far and away the best year um, so far. They've, for the past two years, they've got a new location, so they're right on Pennsylvania Avenue, so it's stunning. And then now this year they do, you know, you just pay for your ticket and then you get unlimited tastes. And it's, I mean, this year was, it's like every year they just keep improving, keep improving, and this year was like yeah. by far and away the best year. So definitely. I mean, I look at the year. beer list every year and I'm like just drooling because it's like, you know, it's one of those that has like so much to offer. It's just crazy. Yeah, and the um, the VIP option is definitely definitely worth it. Sometimes, yeah, 
sometimes it's not worth it in certain festivals. This one, it definitely is because it's yeah. So, was, so that's one thing people. I I don't know if I wrote about that in the book or not, but mm-hmm. like I think usually if you have a VIP option, it's like you're going to get a way better experience. It's probably worth the extra, you know, forty to fifty bucks to splurge, um, just as like a general rule um, to people that are you know thinking about it because. I know, I went to, you know, McKellar used to do a festival up in Boston a few years ago, and um, the VIP option, you got in, like, an hour early, and it just felt like there was nobody there, and you could just wander around and talk to people, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. I, like I said, I've been to some festivals where the VIP hour, you're like, okay, this is just as packed as any other time. <laughs> yeah. And this is miserable, whereas, and you know, I, this one definitely makes it worth it. I will give it a a quick shout out to uh, GABF too. I know I get a lot of hate these days from certain people in the oh, industry, man, but I know. Um, I've always had a good time there. It gets a little overwhelming sometimes, and you have to have like a game plan going in, which I think is a good idea for any festival. Like, mm-hmm. unless it's you know relatively small, like look up the breweries in advance, know what you want to try, um, go in with like some kind of game plan. But GABF is a place you definitely have to do that. Yeah, and, the Great American uh, Beer Festival. Every year yeah. in Denver by the Brewers Association. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it is overwhelming. It's It grows every year, but um, it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think the the thing they do, they, they've done for the past couple of years, Paired, where mm-hmm. there's yep. like a certain section where they have a lot of chefs come and, you know, you get to try beer paired with different food. I think that, that work is really important. I think that's working to kind of like elevate beer and, you know, have people take beer more seriously. And I think, I think that's really good. What was it? I'm trying to find the numbers here. I think I have the numbers for how many breweries, but I don't know. Oh, here we go. Uh, 9,300 beers, 2,300 brewers. That was this year. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, this is the first year I didn't, I haven't heard that I didn't go in like, uh, I don't know, five or six years. And I really missed it. It's cause I was in Shelton Fest actually. Um, which was a much quicker flight, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, last year I went to the paired event and I had some really surprising, you know, some really surprising pairings, like, like a hazy IPA with some kind of like salmon crudo dish that I would never think to pair. Um, and it really worked. It was, it was awesome. Um, you know, I tend to think of those beers as like not really food friendly at all, but this really worked out and it was a, it was a cool pairing. So you, you know, you learn stuff um, from, you know, that little festival within a festival, and it's, it's a really cool experience. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, going into GABF with a, with a game plan is like a must. The first year I went, oh, yeah. I was, the first year I went, I was so overwhelmed. I did treat myself to Paired, which was definitely worth it. Um, mm-hmm. But then after I, I'd worked my way through Paired, I was like, oh, where do I even begin? Um, so yeah, it's thankfully, really daunting. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I had I had a couple friends like kind of guide me through a couple things. But yeah, it's you, I went in with no game plan, and that was a mistake on my part for sure. Yeah, a little overwhelming. Um, yeah. So before we wrap up here, I just want to see you know you set out to write this book, and um, you've written another book, and you've done a lot of writing. Um, and I kind of want people, especially people who are either new to beer or people who are, have been in beer for a while, you know, if they're interested in getting into that side of the beer world, what is some general advice you have for them? Into beer writing, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, 
the way I actually got started was right there in D.C. I was living there, and I was writing for the Washington City paper, which I think is still around, right? Yes, um, but it's... And yes. I was literally <laughs> writing, like, online articles for $25 a pop. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wasn't making any money on it. Uh, but I was able to, to you know, break into freelancing that way, and then... Um, you know, as you continue to like build your clips up, you you spread it around, and you you kind of find editors that you like working with and stuff like that. So I think, you know, go in like looking for, um, you know, willing to work for very little, but then you know set your your expectations higher as you get more and more experience. Um, you know, I went to NYU Food Studies and ended up like kind of using that as a as a thing to to spin off my writing career, which I don't think was necessary in hindsight, but, you know, you never know how these things are going to work out, so. Yeah, you um, always, you know, as I'm still making my grad school student loan payments, I have to <laughs> occasionally be like, yeah, no, no, it was it was worth it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think about that every month, but I'm like, oh, God, how much longer I'm doing this, but, um, you know, in hindsight, I, I could have done things differently, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily uh tell people not to do that but um you know i think just you know just be proactive talk to people um decide like what you want to cover there's you know it's kind of a weird we're at a weird point in beer right now where we see a lot of different magazines and like hard publications closing uh beer advocate magazine has ceased publication all about beer recently um you know, there's a lot of places that are just like kind of shutting down, but I think there's still plenty of outlets um, out there. And you know, a place like the City Paper was perfect because it was, you know, it was kind of local, local focus, um, short articles, um, and you know, it's just like it provided me like a, a an easy uh, barrier to entry for for writing to begin writing, and then from there you can just kind of take off. So. That would be my advice. Just start start small and grow. Solid advice. Um, well, Justin, thank you so much for calling in. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, congratulations on this book. I am immensely, immensely proud. Uh, our other <laughs> uh, our other cohort from grad school just came out with the Noodle Oracle, uh, Michelle Humes. Did you see that? No, I don't know Michelle. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll catch up on that later. But it was it's just <laughs> okay. been it's just been really cool to see uh, you know you see yeah. people from the from the group you know actually doing it's really impressive when someone does something with a master's degree. So that's you know <laughs> that's exciting. Well, uh, thank so you. I, I appreciate that. Congratulations, and um, let us know when you're back down in DC. We'd love to have you in the studio uh, for real, for real. Yeah, um, I would love to. I was. Well, Jack, earlier, I went by there back in May, but I haven't, uh, you know, been on a show proper, so I would love to stop by sometime. Yes, well, we'd definitely love to have you. The studio is really fun. Um, thank you again. So for listeners, I will catch you all next week. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out to me at BeerMeRadio on Instagram or BeerMeRadio at gmail.com. Um, thank you all again for listening. Our podcast is available wherever you get your other podcasts please listen and rate kindly uh we'll see you next week this has been beer me recorded live at the line hotel in adams morgan on full service radio cheers Ah!